distinguished adventurers, welcome to Dungeon Drunks. I am usually your DM Lauren, also known as Obo Crazy, but tonight we have a, a slightly different episode for all of you. We used to call these drinks with the DM, but we're going to have to come up with something else because I'm not alone. I am here with three of my usual four cohorts. Unfortunately, the the distinguished Travancore, aka Jack, could not be with us this evening as he is off on adventures in another place. In He's in Perconum. He is literally in Perconum. Yeah. I was trying to remember if he's actually announced where he, that he's going away, and I'm not. I'm trying to not be the person who tells the entire world that somebody's out of town. He's on vacation. I mean, guys, guess what? We all get to take vacations. We do, and we miss him, but we're also super happy that he gets to be on vacation. Yeah. So, so we'll still go around and talk about what we're drinking, and 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 we will still have sponsors because holy cow, did Idol Champions decide to drop a bunch of gold chess codes on us? I'm excited. Boom! So, like it's Christmas. It's almost like it's Christmas or Christmas or whatever holiday <laughs> or Saturnalia. Oh, winter's crest. Best Yo, Saturnalia. If, if that was a shout out for anyone in Latin club in high school that had sa- that like. <laughs> had to do a latin club saturnalia celebration while your latin teacher like awkwardly explained to you that there would be no orgy because you're in high school and that's just not okay <laughs> and everybody in the class was like uh, <laughs> we're okay with that and, and we're okay and with you, that like have the one teacher who's able to make something that should be very sexual sound like dry and you don't she's well god ew something sexual sound dry ha <laughs> ha um, yeah i've like never had something so like i've never had a group of horny Ro- romans explained to me in such a respectful way probably because my teacher was a woman i feel like if it was a dude it would have been real bad but she was just like this is what they did on saturnalia you are all young and it is not appropriate for you to do those things We are going to have juice and cookies and exchange cheap gifts. (laughs) And you know what? I'm totally okay with that. I I don't need the orgies. Juice and cookies and cheap gifts. Thumbs up. Two thumbs up. There was a boy in my Latin class I had a huge crush on. So it's like, even if I want, but like I was an awkward high schooler. So it's like, I definitely was like, is this an excuse to see if he likes me? It wasn't. It wasn't. <laughs> I love how, how young Jules is basically Bernie. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have a lot of voices, folks. That's all right. Neither do I. So we'll get to the Idol Champions chess codes in a moment. Uh, but first, let's introduce everybody and talk about what we're drinking. I have Jack and Coke, and I have Mexican Coke, because if you're going to do... Listening. If you're going to have Jack Daniels and Coke, then you might as well have good Coke. And that's the way to do it. <laughs> I know. Phrasing. Phrasing. I am talking about Coca-Cola, the fine thing that comes in bottles. I don't know what anyone else is talking about. All I know is that Mexican Coke is like, the. Sh- it's just, I know it's just because it's sugar cane, but it's so much better. It's so much better. When I when I was yeah. still drinking Coke, I much preferred it. It was so much better. It's also, I, I personally believe the glass bottle means it's slightly less carbonated, and I like that. Like, it's not flat, but, like, I drink pop so infrequently now that, like, the, the, the carbonation. So I just like having it in the glass bottle. And See, that's what I should have said. I should have gone, I keep calling it Coke, which is making everyone, but I should have gone with my natural buffalo instincts, which is to say pop. That's right. Pop. I'm drinking pop. Jonathan, what are you drinking? 
Hey, this is Jonathan, and I play Jonathan the Magimuscular. And tonight, I have something I've been waiting for for a long time. Mm. It is a new batch of Smirkin Beard uh, Mead. It is made by our good friend, uh, Goober the Great. Oh! This bottle, he gave to me a couple of months ago and said, it's not ready. Let it sit for a month, and then it will be ready. Well, that was two months ago. And I'm not probably not going to get another chance to drink this because it's been it's been sitting. So we are going to have a live tasting right now. This is his honey wine, and normally I try and avoid the sweet stuff, but for Goober, I will do anything. Tis the season. Tis I the eat season. Three Cheers. Of fudge. It's fine. And I I put in the chat, Jonathan. You can also read what Kyle, aka Goober the Great, sent to us when we requested questions for this episode. Jonathan, if you would. I love each and every one of you guys. No question. That's it. Hello. We love you too. We love you too. <laughs> that's Aww, I don't have a great goober. I have a good goober impression of some of the characters he plays and some of the games we play in. Uh, goober actually plays a lizard folk barbarian in uh, our good friend Izzy's game named Hugo, who is very, very dumb. Like He is as dumb, actually, as Carlton hopes to be. But his it score is actually a six. His score, not his mod. <laughs> so, oh, no. Oh, it, it makes for some high comedy. We once at City Hall, essentially, uh, going about and doing some functionary stuff. And a fat page kid who was like a, a noble child uh, who was working in the City Hall for their dad, like, walked by. And Hugo decided that he was going to hunt the chubby kid. <laughs> oh no it, it worked out fine he didn't find him he failed those checks thankfully so he tried to recreate lord of the flies like um no he just he's a lizard folk living in a civilized society and sometimes his instincts get the better of him he has a gore bag that he actually keeps all his various meats in and he'll be like hey he wants some meat and we'll be like no he's like okay yeah, that's that's lizard folk for you. Ladies and gentlemen, if you ever want to play a lizard folk. But uh, the Smirkin' Mirrored Mead is quite good. It is a little bit dry. It is not too sweet. It is rather refreshing. Good job, Goober. Good AKK. job. And, and since Carlton came up, John, Hi. what are you drinking? Water. Ooh. Hey! I, I do have some tea here as well. God's ale. Exactly. <laughs> Also, I need to go shopping. Fair enough. <laughs> like, I've been doing a lot of traveling. Like, we went to a couple of weddings in the past few months and then packs. And it's just like, my stock of Dungeon Drunks beverages hasn't been getting replenished when I, like, normally would. So, like, it has just gone down. <laughs> That's all right. It, it's that time of year where nobody's home. Or if you're home, you're busy doing other things. Or you go shopping. You're going shopping for everybody else except for you. And then... Right. Yeah. Once we get back into our regular schedule, we'll have other fun drinks. So now is your time, distinguished adventurers. Tweet at Dungeon Drunks and suggest stuff, pop for Carlton to drink. Yes, not John. anything non-alcoholic. Preferably good tasting, but I know you all love listening to me suffer, so I will also take your terrible recommendations. I might just delete those. No, I won't. I also it, have access all... to the Twitter. Ha <laughs> ha. That's true. <laughs> also, you don't have access to mine. They could just tweet directly at me. They could. That's true. At that underscore that film guy. That film guy. That underscore film guy. Underscore film underscore guy. Because there apparently is another that film guy who never tweets. You should fight him. Oh, that's the worst. Fight Not him. only do they have the handle, but they don't use it. Fight him. 
Twitter fight him. Jules, a.k.a. Bernie, what are you drinking? We went to a Christmas market, uh, like Christmas farmer's market, and there was this place serving cider. And so I have a Christmas entry into the cider war. Ooh. It is Farmgate Cider. It's the, That's the place. And this is their russet. And it's dry. A lot of their ciders are dry, which I like. And it's like, a, they basically told us they had four kinds of cider that you could try and then buy if you wanted to. And they had like, there was like, this is the one that's like most traditional to our palate. And then went down and they were like, okay, so you've tried the first three. And they're like, now let's tell you about the fourth one. You will love it or you will hate it. Mm. They're like, do you want to try it? And we're like, yes. He's like, okay, good. Because a lot of people just hearing that are like, no, I don't even try that. And it is made with russet apples. Oh, okay. Yeah. Thus the russet. Yes. I didn't actually know that russet was an apple type. I was thinking of the tater. Well, it is also a tater. A little bit of column A, a little bit of column B, but it's really good. I'm just drinking it straight from the bottle like an unclassy bitch. But (laughs) oh, uh... I I should do that because like like smirking beer deserves class. No, no. Sometimes you just need it directly into your pie hole. Mm. (laughs) Just directly into the pie hole. I had three pieces of homemade fudge before this. I'm doing pretty good. Let's talk about Dungeons and Dragons. Awesome. Let's dive into some questions. Actually, before we dive into some questions, I'm going to give out the first Idle Champions chest code because we have three of them. (gasps) Yes. Distinguished (gasps) Adventures. I have three gold chest codes for you. If you don't know what Idle Champions is, they sponsor us every single week. They're amazing. They are a a free-to-play idle clicker game that you can find on Steam and starting as of the recording of this podcast on PlayStation and Xbox. Although these codes will be, yeah, yeah, coming out. I can't wait to have Idle Champions on my Xbox and on my computer at the same time. You just have like Idle Champions going everywhere. every, when they come out with like an app, you're going to be like phone, computer, Xbox. Yep, all of it. So, so go into, so these will be specifically for Steam. So the first one, and all of these are going to expire on December 30th, 2018 at 8 p.m. Pacific. So when you hear this episode, you only have a week to redeem. So don't wait too long on your Christmas presents. First one is J-O-N-A-T-H-A-N-P-L-U-S-B-U-X exclamation mark. That's right. Jonathan plus Buck's exclamation mark. <laughs> and you do have to add the exclamation mark in. It's an actual <laughs> character. So Bucks, put that in. Uh, the, the, the exclamation point is 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 quite important to the, the code. Oh, I'm so excited. <laughs> so yes, put that into your Steam, your Idol Champions on Steam, and you'll get a free gold chess code on us. And now we got a bunch of questions, both over Twitter and through our Patreon. We're going to start with the Patreon because... It's our Patreons, and that's who we're going to start with. So this first question is kind of for everybody. Who would like to read the first question? Me. Jules, why don't you go ahead and read this first question that came in from Patreon, Michael Lapointe. Hey, Michael. Okay. I know I've said this multiple times on different platforms, but I want you all to know you and your characters bring joy to me at work every week. Used to be every day when I was trying to catch up. As long as you all keep having fun, you'll have at least one fan here. Random question, I suppose. Any plans to have, in parentheses, more mashups with other podcast groups? Gotta say, Chipper's pretty awesome in the marionette game over with Taking Initiative podcast. And we love Taking Initiative, and they're our friends. Oh, yeah. I'm, I am 
really glad you said that. So one of the things that came out of us going to Pax Unplugged is we got to spend a lot more time with we got to spend a lot more time with people who I think we definitely want to collaborate with in the future. I know that uh, Sedlak and I both actually got to play in a Taking Initiative Meanwhile in Barovia game that was specifically for Patreons patrons of theirs i believe they're gonna so the video was for the patreons i believe they're eventually going to be releasing the audio to general public yeah i think that was the yeah it'll be like our meanwhile in barovia with me and celeste that it'll eventually get uploaded to like youtube and and podcast stuff i really like that character too i know i loved (laughs) i think we all really enjoyed the the characters that we played with the taking initiative group it's i think it is i i have experience with not finding with ironically having a group of friends with whom i didn't have a great time playing D with which was sad to me mm-hmm. and it was i think and i'm sure everybody can speak to this i didn't know personally either of the two people we've played with i didn't know drew i didn't know yolanda volanda sorry volanda when i went in and they're just so easy to play with and i think finding a group that i like playing with as much as i like playing with you guys is always a blessing so i would love like, the short answer to this is we would absolutely love to play more with people who yes. yep. we started out just respecting the work they did and liking the work they did and then getting to meet them in person. We like them and respect them as friends. We got to play games with them. We loved playing games with them. And we would hardcore, if they want to play with us, always, always say yes. Like, if, as long as timetables work. I also love how you and I were like, we're going to be halflings and we're going to be cousins. We're going to be related. And then we get in there, and Volanda's a gnome. Yes. And so you can bet your ass we did the three people stacked in a trench coat bit a thousand times. <laughs> that was our entire bit. Like, I'm, that I'm was so our excited. entire shtick. I, we, I'm so excited for, like, this to come out because this was just really – it's always fun playing a new character. I love Bernie. I love everyone's characters. But it's really fun stretching your legs and doing and trying new things. Also, we do a fun collaboration because – um. Luke McKay comes to some of our games now. He does. He's pretty yeah. awesome to play with. He's yeah. Right. yeah. He's well, pretty, pretty cool. We right. like him. And well, and some you, of us so got, much to marry him. We've gotten a chance to participate in the podcasts of uh, Podcast of Waterdeep and Podcasts of Annihilation, uh, which were larger collaborations, not as many people in each show. So that was a lot of fun. We had uh, Nassim from Venture Maidens. I would love a chance to play with, yeah, with her again and with Celeste. I loved Rihanna. Yeah, like that that was so much fun. So Until yeah. she stole from us. No. She... Or took took and walked away with and the rest of you went, Meh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I feel like it's so funny. It's weird we should have been in character so angry. When you like playing with a person, you let them get away with things. Yeah, especially like first time. Yes, you do. Yep. <laughs> and then like six months later you're like, wait a second. Hold on. That was a lot of gold. That was that was platinum. That was platinum. That was she platinum. stole our platinum. Which is worth a lot of gold. Bay doesn't like you to hold on to material possessions, Jonathan. Right, which is why I want to spend it. As a new convert. That <laughs> says Bernie, who's meanwhile being like, gimme, gimme, gimme. Bernie's always got a hit. Bernie is me first in the gimme, gimme. There you go. 
<laughs> and I will say we uh, I am actually in talks with doing some more fun collaborations. The hardest part about it is timing. We're all mm-hmm. super busy. I mean, the good thing about collaborating with the other podcasts is that we're not doing anything live. So we're able to kind of coordinate whenever it works for all of us. But that's not necessarily any easier than uh, any other normal D&D game, which anyone can attest to. Time is one of the hardest parts. So, but yes, we are. I'm. I'm definitely. Uh, Josh and I have been chatting about Yay! doing some other stuff, and uh, we might. I might have been chatting with some other people who also give away Idol Champions chess codes. Hmm. I wonder who that might be. Uh, we also got a question on our Patreon. So I told our Patreons, if you are uh, on our Patreon and subscribe there and sent us a question, you could also promote something. Uh, so that was one of the the bonuses that they got. People on Twitter were just able to have a Twitter size, but people on Patreon got a chance to actually chat about a couple things. So I'll read this off. This is from Janessa D, who says, I'll probably think of more that I want to share, but here's my friend's Patreon, mostly because she writes about her current D&D campaign, Savuna Orc, and it's a lot of fun. We gave her the go-ahead early on to fill in gaps in the story however she sees fit, and it turned out well. She also is writing a fairy tale and a romance story, plus she posts monthly coloring pages she has created and did a fun story for NaNoWriMo, which is the thing you do in November when you're- National Novel Writing Month. Thank you. I couldn't remember what it actually stood for. I just knew that November writing stuff. Also, I just realized you pronounce it correctly, and I don't. (laughs) Because you say NaNoWriMo, and I say NaNoWriMo, and it's, like, clearly right, because it's the beginning of writing. Yeah, that's all right. (laughs) So she wanted to go ahead and promote Stephanie Vallis, V-A-L-I-S. So if you look up Patreon user, it's 733673. I'm not going to read off the whole URL, because eh, you could just go ahead and look up Stephanie Vallis. They're creating ongoing stories updated weekly and coloring pages. Coloring spelled with a U, because... So Janessa goes on to say, I don't have any questions I can think of that haven't already been answered. I did purchase the pie fight. Thank you. (gasps) And then I I did as a one shot with my group. But I'm wondering if anyone else will be writing and sharing any other live games to use as one shots. I love this podcast. I'm happy to support such a great group of people that love what they do. And it shows. Oh, thank you. And I definitely was happy that you asked about this because, hey, John, what have you been up to? Hi, I'm John and I write for Adventures League. The first adventure is already out. It's called The Lost Apprentice, and you can find it on DM's Guild. Uh, my second adventure will be going up in the next few months, uh, and you'll see some similar elements to uh, the Easter special that I did uh, a while back. I reused a few things here and there, and then the one I'm currently writing, uh, which will be premiering in June at a convention here in Austin, Texas, known as Roleplay Rally, you Patreons will be hearing the very first running of it pretty soon. Ooh, uh, which, again will be so that one will be for sale on dm's guild the one that probably about a year from now with adventures league there's a timeline of submitting the request writing getting approval premiering and then once it premieres you have six months after that to put it up online uh and that's when i usually hit the con circuit and since i'm doing it with a other budget group of writers we like to kind of put like three or four out all at once as like a trilogy or a quadrilogy as opposed to here's one here's one here's one here's one we just like Here's a couple. Here's a couple. So we did two batch releases for the tier the tier one modules. The tier two modules will have two releases for, and then eventually I'll have a tier three module. So 
there you go. If you're an Adventures League, then you are all set. And even if you're not, then you buy it on DMs Guild. And it's it's just as much fun, even if you're playing non-AL legal stuff. Yeah, the first adventure is for levels 1 to 4, and it is 2 hours. The second adventure is levels 5 to 10, also 2 hours. The third one, the one that we'll be playing here, is 5 to 10, and is variable in length. That could be either 2 to 4 hours, depending on how many bonus objectives and side quests you want to do. Hmm. So, yeah. Well, we'll be looking forward to that, and we've been avoiding asking all sorts of questions because we're going to be playing that uh, too. Yeah, I don't want any, I don't want to know anything. Like, I'm really excited to go in and know nothing and just let you take us places. <laughs> yes, take us places. Speaking of taking us places, who wants to read this question from Bakus? I'll go with I got it. Go for it. I like Bakus. They are great. They are awesome. Yeah. Bakus, want to hug them? <laughs> I just want to hug them. God. I know. They also do amazing cosplay. Missing RTX. They have, like, I, whenever, whenever I see, because I follow them on Instagram, whenever I see one of their cosplays, I'm just blown away at how many looks they can have in a weekend. Yeah. And, like, really the only time I see them in person is RTX, and that's when they're working generally. But whenever I get to see them at, like, one of the random-ass cons that they go to, like, in either Seattle or wherever, I'm always blown away by, by what they do with, with uh, cosplay. Just They actually, I watched Land of the Lustrous because of them. Oh! Which is an excellent anime. It's on Amazon Prime. That's the free plug. It's just great. It's a 3D anime about uh, living gems and their trials and tribulations. They're great. Okay, so, uh, Bakusa asks... Be it one of your games, or maybe one you were spectating, but what has been your favorite D&D moment? Like maybe a move while in battle, or something said in banter, or a mind-blowing plot point. And so that's for not only our game, but anything that we might be watching. Oh, man. I've got one. Go for it. So, I'm a fan of Critical Role, and I remember there was a point at which a dramatic character shift was made. So getting used to a new character in the first campaign took some getting used to. Well, there was a moment where this new character, Terry Darrington, and Grog end up in a shop trying. And this oh, was yeah. a shop that they had been to before. But and one of their other party mates had like really rung this shop ringer, like rung him out, like put him through the ringer, just did did one over on him. As soon as they enter the shop, he's like, no, 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 no. And they're like, no, no, she's not with us. And the shopkeeper's like, oh, thank God. So they're trying to buy some stuff. And this is the barbarian who is dumb and the artificer who is pompous, who is trying to get a handle on business. And they're both doing very badly. It's hilarious. There's a, I'm not going to spoil it because it's hilarious, but there's one of the funniest moments I've ever heard in any media was the interaction with the guards and the artificer's mechanical companion and then all the hilarity that happens after that it's oh my god it's one of the funniest moments in any media it's, it's worth a watch brilliantly played by by matthew mercer by travis willingham and by sam regal it's just just incredible can i add to that question yeah i i i love hearing like what you liked but i'm also really interested in hearing like what you think is the mic most awesome thing you've ever done in D D. <laughs> like what made like personally i want to know what like what was the thing you guys did that just left you going like yeah i'm hot shit like i'm, I'm addendoming their question i may have told this story before but 
my my fourth edition fighter got into in into it with there was a big arena and there was a black dragon and it involved hopping up these like moving stones like imagine a jumping puzzle in a video game and this was that so most of most of destiny most of destiny exactly <laughs> so like my fighter <laughs> was a dwarf who ha- who's bad at acrobatics but pretty good at the legs like had these anklets they were like a level four item or something, really low level item, they would allow him to re-roll an athletics or acrobatics check. And he if he ever rolled lower than like a five, then he, he could just keep re-rolling. So he kept re-rolling failures until he succeeded and managed to hop his little dwarven ass up to the top where this black dragon was. He leaps off with his like cordium plus five battle axe or whatever it was in fourth edition and he hits the dragon, and I rolled a crit. And there's nothing better than critting on a dragon. You slice the dragon's head in half. And nice. I'm just like, ah! All right, well, Bernie, Jules, how about you? Oh, let me go last. Okay. <laughs> All right, John, how about you? So, uh, probably <laughs> one of my, it's a more recent favorite moment from a non-my character was when Omen Dran sells the clone of Jim Dark Magic to that was, oh my god in acquisitions this year. I was sitting next to James Hake and the two of us like so we we were at the show and the audience is is like cheering and yelling and screaming and everything and the two of us like jaws on the floor are in shock. Are just <gasps> And it was amazing but it was also like terrifying yeah that's the thing is like it was so well played by all parties role played wise like where with mike and jerry like playing their characters and like everything it was just on point all around just just great role playing all around uh and it was a very very good scene how about carlton carlton or one of my characters well one of your characters any of them yeah carlton's had some good moments but you've all heard those uh so we'll go to one of my al characters who i recently retired after he hit level 20 uh, and it was when he stopped Dendar the Night Serpent from eating the world. And in this module, you had to, like, go up, fight through hordes of things, and then, like, basically complete a bunch of checks. Well, the rest of my party decided that they were going to stay in the back of the room and just shoot things. And so me, the rogue, had to not only tank, but do all the checks there and just take all the damage. So... Yeah, I was a level 20 tank rogue, apparently. Jesus. Also, we had two rangers and a caster and no healers. You gotta do what you gotta do. That's how sometimes they all works. It's who shows up to the table. But yeah, we stopped the... the, the we turned back the Endless Night. That's the name of the module. That's Damn. Cool. <laughs> it's a very apropos. Lauren, I yeah. will avoid... I mean, there's three billion moments in Dungeon Drunks that I could mention. But I'll I'll avoid it mostly because it sounds like we're all trying to avoid it. Well, because you've all heard our amazing moments. Yeah. This is true. This is I true. I mean, there's stuff I I'm proud of. Like I'm there's decisions actually recently that I feel like we're starting to let our characters be idiots sometimes, <laughs> and not idiots. Like <laughs> I'm very proud of all of us for letting our characters make what is clearly wrong choices. <laughs> yeah. clearly like if you're trying to me- I think to me metagaming is always the thing of like knowing generally knowing how you solve the puzzle of D- how you how you win D&D and I, I like it when our characters make choices that complicate things I like it when our characters make choices that maybe don't 
fit their alignment. Or that makes sense for the characters to make, even though you know the person. Even yeah. when when you have those moments where Lauren says, "This is dumb," but my character needs to do this. That's that's a fun moment. Here's how you win D and D: you fail upwards. Fail, yeah, it is failing. Well, like I liked it when I had. I mean, this isn't my favorite, but just like when I had to say, "I need you to know, Jonathan, that this is Barney saying cruel things and not me." Because I was like, this is something Bernie would do. I don't want to say mean things to you, but like, this is in this. I, I just like in general, those, yeah. like, so we, I, cause I'm not going to talk about Dungeons and Dragons either. Spoiler. I just want to let you guys know that some of my favorite things are watching everybody else here make good character decisions. Yeah. That, and that's my favorite as a DM or just as a player ever. I, I've had those, those moments recently actually with, uh, the Demon Plague that I'm playing in. Uh, with my Aarakocra rogue, because so it's it's kind of canon for Aarakocra that they don't like being underground and they don't like being caged up. And I didn't want to go too cliche with that, but mine is young enough that the way I, I figured it out was we've encountered a cave for the first time. And I figured she's just never been underground. This is a bird who's just like she's been in buildings and I don't think she has a problem with small spaces. I don't think she has a problem with being inside. I don't think she has even a problem with like she's she's been technically locked up at this point, but like the idea of going underground sounds like the absolute opposite of anything a bird would ever want to do. And so recently my Aarakocra has made some really dumb decisions about things that she has done because she freaked out because they were underground and she's panicked and so i had to sit for a moment and be like nope if i was in a blind panic this is probably what i would do so as far as a favorite so i'll stay away from dungeon drunks i don't get a ton of chances to play but i i do have to admit i have a favorite dm moment oh yeah that's not from dungeon like i have 20 billion from dungeon drunks so i ran a game so my favorite moments when i'm dming is when i could present an encounter a situation a something that is interesting enough to make the players pause and think about their actions. Whether, you know, like the black and white stuff is fun. A lot of the time, yes, you are evil and we will destroy you. But sometimes it's fun to be able to present something and have people stop and, and take a second to think. I did a, a show about a year ago at this point called Destiny and Doom. It was a short season. And my players were playing a, a motley crew who were exploring a... A, a small dungeon put together by an inept guy who didn't know how to make dungeons. And at the very end, and, and one of them was playing a paladin who didn't know who his god was, and so he's looking for his god. And one of them was playing a a semi greedy character, not like evil greedy, but like you know personal gain. And there was a, a dragonborn bard who's kind of in it for the fame and the fortune. And then this turtle who just wanted to be friends with everybody. And so there were all these like slightly flawed characters who were all getting along and trying to do the right thing. And they reached the end of the dungeon and the the guy that they'd been hunting down, it, it was revealed that he's kind of this inept idiot, which is why the dungeon was just like destroyed and there were traps that were weird and the whole thing was ridiculous because this guy didn't know what he was doing, but he was given all of this power by a, uh, a demi-lich called a Sarak. And Sarak was hanging out because he knew that these adventurers would show up. And so Sarak offered, basically, he let these adventurers penetrate this dungeon because he was looking for people that he could entice. And so he offered unto all four of my players basically exactly what they wanted. You don't know who your god is. 
your God doesn't deserve your worship. Worship me. I'll give you all the power and tell you where to go. You want wealth? I'll give you wealth. You want friends? I will give you friends. You want fame? I will give you fame. You just got to work for me. And I'll tell you exactly what you need to do. And there'll be no questions. And it'll be great. And it, and of course, it was like in role playing. It wasn't just laid out like that. And I actually made them think about doing it. <laughs> oh, shit. There, they, there was like, I laid it all out. And then they went, guys, I think we have to huddle for a second. And I think a couple of them were like, no, screw this guy. He's evil. We can't. But there was a moment where they like, it wasn't outright. No, screw you. You're evil. There was there was this. And I said, you know, and just make your decision, whatever you need follow me and I'll give you everything you want right now. And they all just kind of sat for a moment and then looked at each other and then they talked about it for a moment and i had this moment where i'm like oh i might actually make them all turn evil by the end of this game and like from a role-playing standpoint and and they didn't they decided to kill him and it was successful and yay and it was still super cool but the fact that there was that pivotal moment and i made their characters really really make a decision and not have it be black and white that moment will forever be one of my favorite moments of all time so this is something that originally played with everybody at the very first pack unplugged. We went to an Adventures League game and I played a warlock and I couldn't roll for shit. And I was so mad at myself because I just really wanted to try out being a warlock. I'd never played one before. And I was like, damn it. And we were also really excited because we did this stupid, stupid thing where we named them. We I played a warlock and Stephen played a cleric that was my ghost and we had all playing this out and so like fast forward to this past summer and kiana is running uh she's doing one shot wonders and she's like anybody wants to play i'm like i want to re-fucking try out my warlock thank you very much and i did and it was great and there was just this wonderful moment at the end where like everything was rolling really well and i don't think this spoilers anything but we we're like attacking these people because they're they're ruining a portal and we all just want to get the fuck out of the Feywild, which is the theme apparently. Seems to be a theme for people. <laughs> get I the don't fuck know why. out of the Feywild. My character, <laughs> I was playing this hungover warlock who sold you know, sold or sold the great old one, and it was people who were allied with the Raven Queen and I was pissed off and we had basically told them like stop fucking with the portal and there's like letting they're letting the last one run off. And I went no my character's soul it belongs to the great old one. He wouldn't let him live. And so I just fired out. I don't say it's Witch Bolt. But basically, one hit killed this thing. We were playing at low level stuff. So one hit killed this thing. And I came up. I was like, tell the Raven Queen the great old one sends his regards. And this thing just wow. like burned ash. And I yes. was like, Shh. And what's great is I was playing this very hungover character, so she's just like, ugh. I was very proud of myself, not for the sassy line. I mean, I was, but for, like, making the decision to do something clearly evil. We all play very good characters, even when we have moments, and I was just like, yeah. And now I'm, like, really wanting to play a warlock again, so we might see how we can work that out. Listen, if you want to play a warlock, but you don't want to be evil, there are lots of options. No, but... I am enjoy Like, it was really, really enjoyable. <laughs> I don't know if that's... A... But also, I I will say, like, for everybody else that I, I don't... I don't watch Critical Role. I probably should. I know I would enjoy it. 
It's a large investment. It's awesome, but it's a large investment. I bet if Steven and I started watching watching Critical Role together, like how we just watched a season of Westworld, we probably could. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I came to D&D through the Adventure Zone. Which is also excellent. And that uh, best moment, I think, is a lot of people's favorite. And it's uh, often talked about as, like, when their show became their show. Like, I started listening to Adventure Zone with my sister and my mom and my dad on a long road trip. And we got through Fandolin and we were shaking, shaking with laughter. And I knew I wanted to keep listening to the show because right as we were, like, pulling into Charleston, South Carolina, Taco was like, Abraka, fuck you. And I was just like, and I thought ah, this is how I, this is D&D. This is, I didn't, I know many people be like, they don't play D&D. But like, whatever, no, that's, uh. That's D&D, just as much as anyone else's D&D. That was it. I was like, that is ridiculous and beautiful and I want to play this game. Then a couple, couple, couple months later, Jonathan was like, hey, maybe you could play D&D with us. And I was like, oh, yes, please. (laughs) And, and, uh, history was born. Okay. Yes. We got a bunch more questions to get through. I also have another Idol Champions code to give out. So, uh, once again, this code expires on December 30th, 2018 at 8 p.m. Pacific. This one isn't a fun one. This one's a random collection of letters, but here we go. A-L-E-F-J-O-N-G-M-A-N-G-D-I-S-H. Go ahead and put that into uh, your game on Steam. Happy Feast of the Moon! Five all-women and non-binary podcasts got together to make family-friendly D&D one-shots this holiday season. Wrangle the family around the fire, sip that hot cocoa, and join the Venture Maidens, D20 Dames, Fate and the Fable Maidens, Roll Like a Girl, and the Broadswords for four episodes of crossover holiday fun. The first episode drops December 16th on the Venture Maidens feed, then check out Fate and the Fatal Maidens on December 24th. On the 29th, the adventures will roll on over to the Broadswords, and on the 30th, you can find the DMs of the first three episodes play on either the Venture Maidens or the Broadswords feed. Happy holidays from all of us. So we got a whole bunch of questions from Lori, a.k.a. Calamity Jane. We like Lori. We do. We love her very much. She sent in six questions. So we're going to we're going to pick a couple and then get to some others and then we'll come on back. So I'll just ask you because a bunch of these are specifically for all of you. She asks us to pick a, a living celebrity to do a guest role on the show. Who do you pick and why? John Mulaney. Ooh. Oh, that's a good one. That's a good, that's a good one. one. I, I do we need to say do you okay so i'm gonna give you one reason why kid gorgeous That's seriously one. watch it it's awesome one black coffee <laughs> and i that i don't think we need any other reasons john i everyone's like would you play with beyonce no i would cry the whole time we've covered this <laughs> no, no! <laughs> so my honest answer is i'll take anyone who wants to play with me but I think if 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 this was like a snap your fingers and they suddenly call and say, yeah, I want to come play D&D with you and be on board. Uh, Stephen Colbert. <gasps> mm. He has yeah. talked about being such a D&D nerd. 
And I would love, and he's such a great improv person and an amazing performer. I think you, I I have no doubt he would be an excellent D&D player. I would love for it to happen. I was going to say Obama, but not as like a smooth talking bard. I want to see him as a barbarian, just unleashing the fury. <laughs> you want to see Obama's anger translator? I was just yeah, going Luther, there like, you yeah. need to do like a twofer and the, the two of them together. That'd be amazing. Yes. Jonathan? So, yeah. I think that'd be fun. I think he would be like, yeah, let's have some fun. Let's, let's roll some dice, guys. Come on. I think he would. Jonathan? I'm trying to think. Honestly, like, I, I was actually thinking, because um, I'm trying to think a little bit outside the box. Uh, so I would say, uh, one of my favorite sports people in the entire world, Tim Duncan of the, uh, formerly the San Antonio Spurs. He's a really soft-spoken guy. Uh, apparently he was into a lot of geeky stuff and he retired a few years ago, but he is, uh, yeah, I, I would, I'd love to play with Tim Duncan. Did he play for Wake Forest before he played for the Spurs? He did go to Wake Forest. Ooh, nice. Fellow Demon Deacon. He could be a cleric. (laughs) <laughs> all right uh, blazing through some more of these questions oh no your current character has just failed its third death saving throw oh no be rezzed. what class do you play next and while you think about that Lori then asked me a question asking what i'd imagine each of you playing next and if the choices would match so here's what we're gonna do i'm gonna write down on a piece it's of paper let's do this shit we're gonna let's take a second i'm gonna it. write down a piece of paper what i think y'all will play going on my binder here and i've got paper uh do you want just class or race class i think she just asked class what class do you play next yeah so just a guess on what class you play next i might need to make this i just realized it's a whole lot of white well, that's okay. I mean, I I trust you guys. I wrote it down mostly because of it. I thought it'd be the funny. comedy. The, what we're going for right. is comedy here. So let's show them, and then I'll I'll read them off. And so I'll, I'm going to read off mine as I show it because, as yeah, I said, you I trust y'all. Me like Bernie, I said you were, uh, and we'll hold, and I'll hold mine up. Yeah. Well, actually, so I I did Jonathan first. So Jonathan, I said you were going to be a bard. Ooh, I said rogue. Ooh, why a rogue? I don't get to play very many DPS classes. Uh, I, I I like to fill, so I mostly end up playing tanks or uh, or support. And Bard is definitely that. But I, I really want to roll up a rogue sometime. I have a couple of really fun ideas. All right, Jules, considering what we just talked about, I said you were going to be a warlock. Uh, Ooh, she said Bard. Yeah, I knew you played uh, Bard before, but yeah. I, I think in our game, I'd like to be a Bard. I think... Like Deborah Banjo Jones. And that Banjo Deborah Jones. Like she's talked about Deborah Banjo Jones for months. I know, I know, but we were just talking about her yeah, being a warlock, I, so I'm like, I well. Probably I I think in our like I just there's I got to play a bard for a little while and I didn't get to explore it as much as I want to. And I love playing people that can talk other people and doing things. It is Bards most are good at that. Enjoyable thing. All right, finally, John. John, you were actually the hardest one because I know you play a lot. So I, I tried to think of a class that I don't think you have played yet. So I went Sorcerer. I'll give you half credit. I went Scorlock. Duh. Okay. Sorcerer, Warlock. Sorcerer, Warlock. I was not thinking multi-class. Yes, and I do actually have a couple Sorcerers. Oh, okay. I have every class, basically. I've played everything. I really want to do a Coffee Lock, basically. A what? For those of you that don't know... A coffee lock is basically a 
spellcaster who never has to take a long rest. You get your spell slots back on a short rest with a warlock, but then you uh, use your meta magic to as a sorcerer. As a sorcerer, you use your meta magic to create spell points and spell slots, and you kind of just—it's a repeating circle of like creating things, uh, you getting your uh, meta magic points, and then coffee lock, resetting, short rest, and then it's a weird combination of things that basically you're just tweak from South Park as a spellcaster. There, there is some diminishing returns. You can't yes. go forever. You do eventually have to take a long rest, right? Because... Or else you suffer exhaustion and stuff like that. But oh, it's not just that. It's like when you con- the conversion, you always lose something in the conversion. Yeah. But yeah, it does. It does mean you can go for a while, but you can't be like a level one or a level two. You have to get up to a pretty decent level before you can yeah. really to really make it uh, flow wonderfully. Yeah. There you go, kids. You've now learned a new min-maxing way to come up with all the spell slots. All right, I'm going to pick one more of these because she sent in six questions and I want to make sure we, we... And if we have time at the end of this, we'll go back. So I'm going to ask, your character gets one use of the wish spell and you can't wish for more wishes. What do they wish for? And here's what we're going to do. While you all think about that, I'm going to do an ad read for our other sponsor. So our other sponsor today is Scarves for Caleb, which is an awesome charity that literally is what it sounds like. You can make scarves to send to local shelters and everything, and and they're in the name of Caleb, as in Caleb from the Mighty Nine on Critical Role. So this is, uh, I was basically asked to read a poem as part of my ad read for Scarves for Caleb. Uh, It's a little poem. Uh, They donate cold weather necessities for those who need help staying warm. This poem is from Good Poems for Hard Times. And the one that was chosen for me to read is in honor of Blue. It's called No Longer a Teenager by Gerald Lachlan. And as you all think about what wish you want, I'm going to do my best poem read. I'm actually kind of nervous. My daughter who turns 20 tomorrow, has become truly independent. She doesn't need her father to help her deal with the bureaucracies of school, HMOs, insurance, the DMV. She's quite capable of handling landlords, bosses, and auto repair shops. Also, boyfriends and roommates. And her mother. Frankly, it's been a big relief. The teenage years were often stressful sometimes, though I feel a little useless. But when she drove down from Northern California to visit us a couple days ago, she came through the door with the biggest, warmest hug in the world for me. And when we all went out for lunch, she said, affecting a little girl's voice, I'm going to sit next to my daddy. And she did. And she slid over close to me so I could put my arm around her shoulder until the food arrived. I've been keeping busy since she's been gone, mostly with my teaching and writing, a little travel connected with both. But I realize now how long it has been since I had felt deep emotion. When she left, I said simply, I love you. And she replied quietly, I love you too. You know, it isn't always easy for a 20-year-old to say that. It isn't always easy for a father. Literature and opera are full of characters who die for love. I stay alive for her. So thank you, Scarves, for Caleb. That was lovely. And now... Back to, uh, I guess since we just read a poem for Blue, I am tempted to ask Carlton, what do you wish for? Are we following the strict guidelines of the spell wish or just like a wish? Because like if it was just a wish, not the spell wish, then Carlton's wish would be 
to have his family back. To his mother, his father, who were murdered when he was a youngin, to have them back. That would be his wish. But that's outside the confines of the spell wish. Oh, it's not outside the confines, for sure. Well, yeah. But, so for those that don't know, this, there's an actual spell called Wish. It's a ninth level spell. It's a hardcore spell. You basically have two options with this spell. You can recreate any other spell, and it's fine. Or... Of eighth level or lower. Or, and everything's fine, nothing weird happens. Or, you can actually cast Wish and make a wish. You can just wish for anything. And the spell basically says that it's up to the DM to decide how to adjudicate it. Now, historically, wishes, uh, there's a lot of DMs who are who try to be genies about spells. And no matter what you say, it's always going to turn against you. I will let everybody know. And if we ever get to the point that any of you get a wish spell, I would say this ahead of time. So none of you would be uh, blindsided by this. I tend to adjudicate wishes that are not replicating spells as close to what you've asked for as possible and any alterations that need to be changed are always for more fun and so you're not necessarily going to get exactly what you wished for but i'm not i'm not looking to gotcha but i'm i won't necessarily let you like change the entire world with one wish but i think in the spirit of this question this shouldn't be about mechanics yeah this shouldn't be about how do I phrase this wish so that I get what I want? And so I like the spirit of this, of like Carlton would get his yeah, family back. He would want his, his family back. And they won't come back as zombies. Jonathan, what does Jonathan wish for? Jonathan the Magimuscular. I think something that Jonathan the Magimuscular has been reflecting a lot about is the time limitations he has as a human. Uh, he has all these interests in magic and he wants to continue uh, pursuing them. And he has two members of his party, two different extremes, who will outlive him. Travancore will live about as twice as long as he does. And then Bernie would live about, like, four or five times as long as he does. I think 350 years is, like, about the average. Yeah. yeah. So he would he would want more time. And I'm not sure that, like, given how carefully is because he also doesn't want to be a lich um because he knows that he knows that like if you go down lichdom it affects your mind and you don't think like you had he still wants to be him but just have more time i think that's what he would wish for okay bernie oh man i i've been thinking about this because i don't know if i'd wish for bernie's dad to not be eaten by a bear I'm trying to think because I think I I think Bernie would wish, and I'm not sure what it form it would take. But given given sort of like I think Carlton has like a healthier outlook on like getting your family back. Like I think Carlton's wish is really pure and beautiful, and despite being a woman of God, I don't think Bernie has that kind of purity in her. Like, I <laughs> I think she would wish for power over death. Like, way more power over death than she has now. Which is, I think, considerable, if you think about it. I think she would wish for something that might ultimately destroy her. Which is always a possibility <laughs> with a wish. And I think, I think that's 
I, I think that's actually a, a pretty powerful thing to be like, yeah, she might wish for something that could destroy her because, you know, sometimes sometimes you get those those opportunities and you've no idea. You're like, well, I hope this turns out OK, but I, I think it will. And then sometimes you you kind of know. And I think I could see Bernie being like, this could be a bad idea, but this is what I want. So. Yeah, I think if she's being really self like I was thinking, like, would she want revenge? Would she want? And then I was like, nah, she's. She's who she is now. She isn't who she is then. There's like, I think, a clear demarcation. So I think she just would want, she wouldn't want to bring anyone back. I think she just want to be able to completely stop it. If she, in at, at her own whim. Very interesting. All right. Who wants to read off? Uh, we'll come back to Lori if we've got a little bit more time because she's got a couple more questions. But we have a uh, question from PinkGeek008 here, which is kind of for me. So if someone can else... Could could ask? I gotcha, since I haven't read one. Lauren, how do you and your players go about constructing their individual arcs in the story based on background, such as Travancore going up against his cousin and the upcoming homecoming of JMM in all the detail without ruining the surprise? So, at least a couple of us can talk about this, but in general, the way I've been doing it is my players give me backstory. And they can continue to give me backstory and alter backstory and continue to offer up backstory until I, until it gets presented in game, in which case it becomes canon, or until I, at one point with, with several of my players have now sent off an email and been like, so if you have anything you want to change, now's the time or else this, this is what I'm going with. So since uh, Travancore and Carlton have had kind of the more extensive backstories, uh, Carlton, do you remember that email, that moment where I'm like, are you sure? Because yep. we're going with, yeah. I'll even say this. I, when writing my backstory, when we were about to start our our arc, I specifically left things in my backstory open-ended for myself to let Lauren finish that line. So that way I, as a player, was then surprised. And there were some trails that, breadcrumbs that she followed and others that she didn't. Yep. You know, and that's the nature of the game, you know? And when I, I started seeing the breadcrumbs, I was like, ooh. And then I was like, oh... <laughs> like the whole thing about like blue, like didn't see that coming. Well, and it's I also you'll hear me actually in games often being like, well, what what do you think? You know, something that maybe neither of us have come up with. Uh, and Bernie, I think this has happened to I think this happened to Bernie a couple of times where I've been like, well, what Jules, what do you think? Bernie would know about this situation and yeah I'm I like being able with with stuff that we haven't codified yet giving players the opportunity to just basically make up backstory whether it's a major thing in their life or something tiny but yeah that's that's kind of how I roll with it is my, my players can make up all the backstory they want until either I say okay I'm going with this don't change anything and even then as long as you add to it I'm okay with that too but everybody kind of eventually got an email that's just like all right this is what we're going with. And then and then it's all improv from there. I come up with ideas and I throw stuff at them. And then it's just like a regular game of D&D, except they wrote the backstory. Yeah, I just am like rereading the email I sent you from way, 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 way. Yeah. Way back in the day. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's about like there's. And and some of it is more fluid than others. Like, you know, now that we, we've done some ex- exploration of Carlton and, and a lot into Travancore. And so that's pretty codified. Um, so though they got emails pretty early on. Uh, Jonathan, I think, just recently got his, hey, don't don't change anything. You know, yeah. whether or not we actually go into any of that backstory, we're going close enough. And we were starting to with his whole shipwright thing and where I said... Just don't change anything. Add to it all you want. Jules, same with you. You know, we started getting into Bay and we started getting into stuff. Yeah. And I was like, all right, 
make up whatever you want, but then you gotta decide to stick with it, so. I feel like I have more ideas that I should send you. Sure. And and just because I say don't don't change anything to any of you doesn't mean that you can't send me more ideas. Be like, oh yeah, yeah, by the way, you know, it's just once once I say it's canon, you can't change. You can't be like, oh yeah, I didn't actually grow up on the Moonshine Isles. I actually grew up over here. It's like, nope, we've made that canon. But yeah, add to stuff. I mean, y'all were adults when you met, so you've had rich, long lives. So yeah, I I I like to do stuff like that. Oh, here's here's a here's a fun thing i just realized i don't know where bernie's from and that's okay that's all right literally says about her parents they did this in blank but lived in a gnomish community nearby because when we started playing dd i didn't know anything about dd and i didn't know if i needed to make up a town like out of my ass or pick one that existed and we still haven't picked one so there's your fun fact there you go and you know what? I'm okay with leaving it blank until we absolutely have to, because for reasons that might change. So two of two of my companions who played a lot more D and D than me and know the map very well can always shout out suggestions. Also, you can come up with a name, and I will, and give me a, and I will just make Put up a town. Somewhere. Yeah, exactly. We can do either. But once once it get mentioned in game, then it's, it's then it's concrete. So that's half the fun is just making up shit as you go. I haven't gotten a chance to say it often, but you in the first couple of months that we played, I must have said practically every game, whatever you say right now is true. Whatever you say right now is is what it is. It's fact. So I love that about D&D. We had a question. I'll, I'll ask this to all of you, although I kind of know the answer. Big E1432, aka Eric, asked on Twitter, have you considered doing more live shows? Yeah. 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 But we want just, to. Uh, we need conventions to give us uh, time and space, and you know, pay yeah. for us to go there and fly us out. And it's expensive to do a live show. Yeah, it is. We need you guys to like. RTX is really convenient because we all want to be there anyway. And Rooster Teeth gives us the panel space, and several of us live within driving distance or in the city. And God Almighty, would we fucking love to do more live shows? I love playing with them every week but there is nothing like playing we get the best episodes yeah because you can play off somebody so much better when they're sitting right next to you i love like you know it's there's nothing like the physical camaraderie of being with them i think we proved that like if not a live show that other people can see and and sort of interact with us with just the live recording that we had at pax unplugged last week was god yeah you should have seen the looks I was able to give Jonathan in it person. Was so oh, we'll we'll get to that the why that happened, but so it, it was just wonderful. It, it not only was it just a really great playing experience. I feel like it was probably our best episode we've recorded live, and maybe one of our best episodes of the show. And I I'm not hyping that. And I, yeah. I think once you guys see what happens, uh, if you already have. Then, uh, then hey, great. But if you haven't, I'm not. I I don't like it when people are like, oh yeah, we did this thing, and you'll really like it when it comes out because uh, I just I'm really proud of what we did. I thought it was I thought it was a lot of fun, and and I think everyone will have a lot of fun with it. I liked it because I think you found something that took a mundane day and made it like. Yeah, I had three different plans for stuff and two charts, and you just <laughs> threw all of that. I had, I had plans. D&D. I had, you know, and it, it happens all the time. 
And that's great. You know, it's not like I don't get to use any of that that I had planned. They just didn't happen that day. All kinds well, we of gave you new things. ideas for a new chart. Exactly. All kinds of new things. You know what? Yes, I'm also not the kind of person who's like, if you haven't heard it yet, because I don't rem- I don't know where that episode's going to be. So maybe you have, maybe you haven't. The the important part is we had fun. And we I had will a lot always, of fun. always, 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 either as a DM or as a player with any of the shows that I put out as content for other people to consume, podcasts, live streams. My goal is always that my players have fun. If you all have fun, in the end, I don't care how well this podcast does. My job is that you all have fun. And the fact that that happened makes me super happy. Okay. Question from Carly. Carly Bean on Twitter. Hey, Carly. Hi. I love this question. What would you do if Seekin asked another favor of the Heralds? Uh, Get all the details in writing beforehand before we say yes. Uh, okay, Seekin, what's this favor? Where does it require us to go? What does it require us to do? Who are we going to meet? How am I going to get fucked by a gelatinous blob? You didn't get physically. Never mind. Not physically, but emotionally Emotionally. and mentally fucked. Look, this one's my bad, guys. (laughs) 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 There's a thing, like, I would say I have, like, two voices, but Lauren has, like, 20 billion. She's really good at characters. She plays Seekin in a way that just... She is, like, it's just Seekin. And Seekin makes you feel, well, if you're Jonathan Magic Muscular, Seekin makes you feel feelings of rage. But those are probably actually, unfortunately, should be directed at Bernie. <laughs> uh, but Seekin is just like, you want to say yes to him. You really can. Seekin is a grown adult. and Who is spend, kind of a puppy. Kind of a puppy. And you're like, Jesus fucking Christ. How did you get this way? Like, how did you live this long? And why are you like this? Why? How did you grow into adulthood in fucking Waterdeep without, like, just getting taken over and over again? And you just want to do what he needs you to do, and you just want to say yes to what he asks you. you That's assuming he grew safe. up in Waterdeep. That is assuming he grew up in Waterdeep, but he runs a business there now. What's a backstory we haven't explored? Yeah, Jonathan the Match Muscular would make that, would make that noise that I just made and then probably say yes because he's come around on seeking he yeah yeah I love though that of, of the three of you the first person to answer is Carlton who's like we're getting everything in writing <laughs> Carlton, I want to know where the fuck who, I'm going what I'm gonna is, do is not dumb he's not wants to lay it out and get a contract and that's the smartest move Bernie's like I can't say no to you seeking you're you need like Bernie like looks at Seekin like 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 Julia looks at pictures of cute animals. Need me, you need my love. Carlton knows he's not dumb, but he wants people to think he's just a dumb barbarian because then he can get away with a lot more. Because <laughs> people will underestimate him. But there are times in where playing dumb is more detrimental to being smart. And I think I think that would be one of those moments where Seekin would ask a favor and you would be like pen, nope. quill, and paper and be like, details. And that that would totally no more surprises. Make sense. You have hit your surprise quota. We are done. <laughs> All right, we're gonna do one more question from Lori, and then we're gonna close this out. So I need to pick a question. You know what? I'm gonna read both of them, and I'm gonna ask each of you to respond to one of them. Oh. So pick one and respond because they're both good questions, but we don't have enough time for both. So she asks, what is something you've learned from another D&D player or show that has affected the way you play or look at the game? So you can answer that or you can answer 
You get to go back and change one thing you regret having your character do in the game. What was it and why? So while the two, while you guys think about that, because I just have one question to answer, which is something I've learned. I learn from, I, I watch so much D&D and part of it's my job, but most of it is because I really enjoy watching it. And I learn something from everybody. Critical Role, we've all been talking about a, a bunch. Uh, no, I will never be a voice actor, but like watching the way that Mercer dives into those characters or any of the players on there, like those are masters of their craft. And I, I learn a little bit from the, the way that they, they do that. I love watching the C team because I love the way that Jerry creates unique experiences and takes what would normally be mundane encounters and turns them on their head and turns monsters into npcs and like you you never quite know what you're gonna get from his stories and they're always just brilliantly unique i love watching perkins on acquisitions incorporator dice camera action because he is so quick to yes and in the most amazing ways possible either in the funniest or in the most detrimental to the players and so that kind of fearlessness in the face of very very good players who are willing to to be brilliant i i think is amazing i love listening to celeste on the venture maidens i think she does a fantastic job diving into emotions and the way her and her players are so emotionally connected to each other and to their characters and the, the emotional arcs that they go through i think is fantastic so yeah there isn't a show that is out there that i can't point at one thing and be like I want to do that better, and I want to do more of that. Uh, Dark and Dicey, watching uh, KG Tang, who is so willing to be ridiculous, just outright stupid ridiculous with his characters and with his NPCs, and just be crazy dumb, and it still all works, and it's funny, but it can still be, you know, he's got a, a demi-lich on there named Walter. But Walter is scary and funny and has a couch made out of bones and a big screen TV. And like it all works and it's amazing. And his, so his willingness to just be ridiculous. I want to do more of that. So yeah, those are, those are the, the, that's, that's, that's me. Who wants to go next? Wait, what was the second question? Oh, so either something you learned from another D&D player or show, or if, you, if your character, if you could go back and change one thing you regret having your character do in the game, what would it be and why? Okay. Yeah. So I'll answer the same question that Lauren did and kind of echo really quickly everything that she said. I mean, I when I started ro- watching shows like Critical Role and and High Rollers, uh, Humes and, and Mercer are just excellent DMs and they have amazing players. Chris Trott is low-key an awesome D&D player. But I, I, I definitely, from them, I kind of learned that it was okay to sort of lose yourself into your character to have really great emotional moments. I don't know if it's obvious, but Jonathan the Mad Muscular doesn't have a very developed backstory because I was kind of like, yeah, I'm a D&D old hat. I got this. He's just going to be me and he's going to have muscles. I don't need to write a backstory. And uh, I'm really glad I've, I've explored his uh, where he's come from a bit. But I learned a lot from the local players that I've been fortunate enough to be very good friends with. Um, quick summary of my how I got here to Oklahoma. I was invited to attend OU, 
as a National Merit Scholar, and we all lived on the same floor. There was a National, a national Merit floor that we all lived on in the dorms. And so I lived there with a bunch of out-of-state kids. And so when everyone else would go home, we would be stuck not really going anywhere, just hanging out with each other. So we started doing geeky things like uh, playing Magic the Gathering and uh, playing board games. Uh, they all played D&D. I didn't really play D&D. But in, as we went on, we all kind of stayed together. And we kind of sussed out a group of four of us that all run our own D&D games locally. But, uh, and then we also play in each other's D&D games. So from my friend Sully, I learned how to world build. Uh, he has created some amazing worlds and some amazing uh, settings for our games. From my buddy Davis, I learned how to manage a session, how to adjudicate very well and, and, and kind of make calls as a DM. And from my buddy Ryan, I learned that having silly voices is a lots and lots and lots of fun. And, uh, and I learned, I try to come up with fun encounters like he does. So honestly, I've learned a lot from my friends and that goes for all of you too. I, I've learned a lot from all of you and from some other friends that I've played with. It's, it's been great. Jules, how about you and Bernie? I don't know that I regret anything that Bernie's done. That's fair enough. <laughs> that, that's so, that's so like, so, uh, so I, I, not, I'm choosing not to answer that question because I think even, I don't think I would change it. That's absolutely 100% fine. Even when she's done things that are shit things, I think it's good. But, so I started, like, this is, this is, for some reason, Will uh, from, uh, Encounter Roleplay? Encounter Roleplay, thank you. Uh, messaged me, was like, do you want to play Call of Cthulhu with us? And I was like, really? Like, uh, and I got to play two really amazing seasons of different Call of Cthulhu with Encounter Roleplay uh, with Will and with Greg as the DM and with a bunch of other people. And it was this group that I came into and they just all jived really well, well together and uh, I was so comfortable with you guys the first time I was terrified. Um, and everybody in that group plays with such Joey DeVivra. Um, <laughs> and uh, they were really, really utterly fearless about just like role playing. And I feel like we I thought we did a good job. And then I played with them and I I thought, OK, like this is this is fearlessness because it's so comfortable with you guys and it's one thing to be sitting here making silly voices for your friends where like you can pretend that no one hears you <laughs> mm -hmm. uh and it's quite another thing to get on a twitch stream where people can see your face and get up there and just maintain and uh not only maintain but like just throw shit at your companions and learning to to play for the sheer joy of breaking one another <laughs> not in a bad way in a like uh you know can i get this person to laugh so hard they break character like uh that that was a wonderful learning experience for me i miss playing with them uh i really think they all do such an amazing job role playing they're really great role players and uh they do it in front of in front of many people who can sit in it it's not like you know like and i guess you can choose not to read the comments and i often would position our like zoom in front so i wouldn't have i could pretend but like they interact with everybody like they know everybody that comes to their streams and that's scary man and mm -hmm. uh they're so good at it and i i loved playing with everybody there i loved thinking in a new gaming system and bringing sometimes bringing back this the the weirder aspects to games with you guys 
but no, I, I, yeah, I think I really like, I, I got a lot out of role playing opposite of people who I think are very better role players than I am. And I think they made me better and uh, I'm very happy that I got to play with them. Encounter Roleplay is a good crew, and yeah. any chance anybody gets to either play or watch with them, absolutely. And finally, John? Well, I don't actually watch a lot of other shows, because like, I did, and I got really self-conscious about my own play style. But there is a moment that I do regret with Carlton, and that was when he bought drugs, and Bertie confiscated them. And it got really, really tense, and it made me realize as a player, how to improve, because it's not about what my actions were intended, but has how my actions are perceived, which is something I, not, I ever thought about before. So now I constantly, not constantly, but I'm more aware of how are my actions going to be perceived, not as what they're intended, and how can I make my actions appear to be as I intend them without them being misinterpreted as something else. Hmm. Lordy, that so, is, yeah. I don't, if anybody has, a good handle on that i'd love to hear from them because i i totally struggle with that as well we all do i think we all do but it's one of those things like i would get so deep into it i wasn't even thinking about it and then i realized like oh no this got perceived really poorly and i made a very poor judgment call and so yeah if uh, i could go back to the point where carlton didn't buy drugs you know it's just starting out i regret buying drugs <laughs> or he was like so mad at you for buying those drugs she was like she was your angry parent she couldn't even handle being disappointed in you she was just mad that was definitely an interesting moment but i can see why i mean i was half tempted to say uh, i regret sticking that opal up my ass but actually no i don't because no, that's, no, that's, no, that's no one regrets funny moments <laughs> no you don't regret opal that. sticking up ass no one regrets that ever the only one that regrets it is maybe the opal and your bowels so <laughs> the fact that it took so many con saves before i finally failed just comes out a little and goes because you kept increasing it. Well, so the, here's the funny thing. So, yes, the DC kept going up, but also there was an invisible timer. So the longer you kept making those saves, when you finally did fail, the worse it was. So if you'd yeah. failed earlier, it wouldn't have been as bad. <laughs> it would have just popped out. No, instead, I had to mentally scar the Modrons for life. Yeah, pretty much. Because you know what? Some <laughs> actions have consequences, even when you're really successful at them. And with Erasing that... memory. Memory racer failed. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> it's everywhere. You'll have to ask the Modrons what they think. You, you haven't asked them yet. They've just cleaned it up. Oh, God. They'll like, their eyes will flicker or something and be like, we do not recall that particular moment, but they really will. There's just a blank space in my memory. This isn't a Bernie wish, but this is a Julia wish. Julia wishes maybe maybe for the worst that we could like really communicate with the Motron. You can. There are ways. Well then, now yeah. I have some goals. Some of you have access to very easy ways to mm. chat with the Modrons. I'll just say that. I'll leave that there for all of you to to wonder about. So I'm going to close this out because we have answered a lot of really good questions. Uh, we desperately miss Jack and wish he was here, but we are super happy that he's off on his grand adventure to Perconum and can't wait to hear more stuff from him. So hopefully we'll get him in on the next one. But for this end of the year Dungeon Drugs special drinks with the DM and friends episode, we're going to call it an evening with one last chess code, which I'm super happy about. Go ahead and enter into your idol champions. DD, Merry Christmas. That's right. DD, M E R R Y C H R I S T M A S. Once again, this code expires on December 30th, 2018 at 8 p.m. Pacific. 
that's all for this year of D&D from Dungeon Drunks. And there'll be more episodes to come as uh, we're, we're still in the middle of some, some funness. And y'all are only level 10. You still have 10 more levels to go. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and I hope you all have a wonderful and happy everything. And we'll see you all in 2019. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Thanks for listening to our adventure. If you've enjoyed our show, visit us at DungeonDrunks.com for links to all of our social media, pictures and bio of our cast, a full list of credits, and more. We'd appreciate it if you left us a review, and we would love it if you come support us on Patreon. Visit Patreon.com slash DungeonDrunks to sign up. Thanks again, and we'll see you next encounter. We appreciate all of our patrons, and extend a special thanks to our Artifact and Wondrous Tier patrons. Thank you Megan, Lori, aka Calamity Jane, That Indian Dude, Colin Kalen, and Hunted Shadows, LLC.